Hello, history nerds and historians. My name is Christina and this is After Mythology. This is where we talk about a little tidbit from mythology. That's super fucked up. So this year we're going to do something a little different because I want to do Zodiac myths. I know that technically the Zodiac calendar doesn't start until March, but I'm never one to follow expectations. So today we'll be talking about the myth behind all of our Aquarius babies. If you don't know your Zodiac, if your birthday falls between January 20th and February 18th, you are an Aquarius. So people under these air signs are said to be progressive, original, independent, and humanitarians. Cool. But let's get to what we're here for, which is the mythology. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and practice your, oh, good God, what the fuck faces. So Aquarius means water pourer. I've also seen it be called the water bearer. So the constellation is shown standing with like a wine or water jar pulling liquid, pouring liquid out. And there are a few theories of who this could be because, because myths are confusing. I have a whole episode about that if you need a refresher as to why we can't ever just have like one goddamn explanation. Uh, But because I am an overachiever and you might be wondering what all of the stories are, let's do them all. So the first theory is that the water bearer is a man called Deucalion. So the first theory is that the water bearer is a man named Deucalion. So a little bit of backstory on Deucalion. There was this king named Lycaon. He ruled over all of Arcadia. And he was this like really proud dude who thought that he knew better. Uh, than even the gods. And he wanted to challenge the reign of the gods. He didn't believe that the gods were actually omniscient or that they knew everything. And he invited Zeus to dinner and put this like extravagant feast before the god. But Zeus was like, <laughs> what is this shit? I'm not eating it. Because uh, actually, it it, it was one of like Han's son named Nictimus. Now the gods viewed consuming human flesh as an atrocity and as like the ultimate insult. Like There were sacrifices made to the Greek gods, but they weren't supposed to ever be human sacrifices. So similarly, there was actually one man named Tantalus who tried to do the same thing by feeding one of his sons to the gods. And he was punished for all of eternity to forever be hungry and thirsty in the underworld, despite literally standing in a pool of water and next to a fruit tree. So this was not something that was taken lightly. Uh, Zeus, in his rage, killed all of the rest of Lycan's sons, which depending on the source range from like 22 to 50, uh, because these Greek guys just like really, really got busy a lot. Uh, and he turned Lycan into a wolf. So some people believe that Lycan is actually like the first werewolf, really, right? So like bringing some spooky shit into it, which is super fun. But before Zeus went back to Mount Olympus, he restored Nictimus to life, right? So now the only son that survived was Nictimus, who was the one who died, and now Lycaon is a wolf. But when Zeus got back to Mount Olympus, he was still enraged, and he decided that the entirety of the human race could not be salvaged, and in his anger, he sent a flood down to Earth. It was a terrible flood that was meant to wipe out every living creature on Earth. But the Titan Prometheus heard that this plan, and he quickly went down to his son named Deucalion, who was the king of Pythia, and he warned him. So Deucalion built an ark 
and boarded it with his wife, Pira. So the rains came down. They wiped out every, every living thing except for Deucalion and his wife, which was probably like really frustrating for Nick Timmis because he was like just resurrected. Like what the Hades, y'all. So the rain fell for nine days straight until finally the Ark landed on a mountain when the water started to subside. And Deucalion wanted to know if the waters had truly receded. So he sent a dove that he somehow had on his ark, even though every living creature was said to have been killed. And when the dove returned to him with, I'm assuming like an olive branch or something, um, it was assured to him that it was safe to get off the boat uh, or the ark. <laughs> like my, doesn't this sound familiar to a certain Abrahamic mythology? Uh, uh, if you will. So Deucalion and Pyrrha got off the Ark and they made a non-human sacrifice to Zeus, um, which I hope wasn't the dove. But since everything else was killed, uh, I, I don't know what they would have sacrificed if not the dove. So like, thanks for doing a job for us. Here's a knife in return. And then they went to the really wet and soggy shrine of Themis, who is the Titan goddess of justice. And she showed up. And was like, shroud your heads and throw the bones of your mother behind you. And Deucalion and Pyrrha were both like, well, our moms are dead. Uh, we have no idea where their bones are because the, the world just fucking flooded. Um, so what about Mother Earth in which we are all the, the children of, right? So they picked up rocks that they found. And they were like, hmm, rocks, bones, these are like the same thing. And so they took these rocks and they threw them over their shoulder. And all the rocks that Pyrrha threw turned into women. And all the rocks that Deucalion threw turned into men. So there you go. We're all descended from rocks, if you didn't, if you didn't realize that. But Deucalion and his wife weren't the only ones who survived, apparently. It's said that the people of Parnassus woke up to the howling of a wolf and were led by this wolf to a mountaintop and they all survived and named their new city Lycoria after the wolf that saved them, you know, the, the first werewolf. And uh, some of these people from Parnassus and now Lycoria uh, migrated to Arcadia, where according to Robert Graves, even till today, a boy is sacrificed every year and fed to a shepherd chosen by Lot, who then howls like a wolf, discards his clothing, swims across a stream, and becomes a werewolf. And if the shepherd doesn't eat people for eight years, then he can become human again and return to his life and even become a competitor and a winner in the Olympics, like Demarcus who 10 years after he turned back into a human, won a boxing championship at the Olympics. <laughs> so that's one theory. <laughs> Let's talk about the next one. So, <laughs> so some people think that the water pourer or the water bearer was actually a man named Kecrops. So Kecrops was the first king of the land that would become Athens. And he was what was known as an 
autochthonies, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, basically, it means that they were born directly from the earth and that they have like a really close association with the earth. And we know that Keycrops was one of these because he was half man and half serpent. Um, the bottom part was serpent, just in case. I, I, I needed to clarify that to some of you, I feel like, but the bottom half is serpent, the top half is man. He was a great king and he ushered in like a, a golden age for this city that would become Athens. And he was the first king to recognize paternity. He pushed for monogamy. He abolished bloody sacrifices. Uh, and instead he pushed for food to be sacrificed instead of like sacrificing animals, um, not wine. He didn't sacrifice wine or like pour out libations because wine didn't exist yet at this point. But he did offer water and he would pour out water libations, which is where the idea comes from that he was the water bearer. Uh, I don't want to stop the story there because the story is interesting. So we're going to keep going a little bit. Um, but that is why they think that it might be um, Keycrops who is the water bearer. So the city didn't have a patron god or goddess yet. And some of the Olympi Olympians took a liking to the good people who live there and Keycrops. So the two main deities that were really like fighting over Keycrops city were Athena, goddess of war and wisdom, and Poseidon, god of the sea. So they desired to take the city and name it after themselves and claim all of its glory. And I'm sure you can figure out who ended up winning, but I will still keep going. So Athena and Poseidon engaged in a contest that was judged by Keycrops. So they met at the Acropolis, which is sort of like the high city um, that was there. So Poseidon went first and with this like grand display, he took his trident and he struck the ground and the earth shook and he created this like underground sea and salt water sprang forth from the hole that he created in the ground with his tight triton. And, and he was like, ta-da, <laughs> please don't thank me. You are very, very welcome. And everyone watching was like, okay, sure yeah we um <laughs> we we won't thank you don't don't worry about that because they like literally had no fucking use for a bunch of seawater uh they have rivers and are close to the sea and all this did was make usable land very wet now so then it was athena's turn and she knelt quietly and planted something in the ground and within moments a giant tree sprang from the earth she explained that it was the olive tree which was a high quality source of timber as well as a bearer of nutritional fruit and can make olive oil which wasn't just for cooking but would become a status symbol and her gift was obviously better so keycrops announced that athena was the winner and they gave her the city and they named it athens and poseidon was so enraged that he swore revenge so this is the fuel for some of the future feuds that you will see between poseidon and athena what, which I mean, we'll hopefully talk, hopefully talk about this year, but I, I plan to talk about some of these last year. And uh, <laughs> well, that went to hell. So uh, <laughs> yeah, we laugh about trauma. So we don't so we don't cry here. So let's go on to the next one. So this is the uh, third and final myth that may be what led to the Aquarius constellation slash Zodiac. And this is the one that like most people really seem to believe and it is that the water bearer was Ganymedes. Um, but actually, it's like wine that he's pouring, not water. So Ganymedes was the son of King Tross, who is who Troy is named after. So he was like this really well loved dude. And it said that Ganymedes was the most beautiful person in the world, not just 
man, but man, women, um, intersex, trans, gender fluid. People like to think that the Greeks were very like close-minded and conservative. Um, and while they were misogynistic, they had all the letters of the alphabet mafia. Okay. <laughs> so Zeus, um, in all his Zeusness, as many of us know, loves beautiful people, uh, typically beautiful women. But Ganymedes caught his eye and instead of like introducing himself and asking him on a date or like wooing him or any sort of like normal sort of like courting ritual, um, Zeus turned himself into an eagle and kidnapped Ganymedes and brought him up to Mount Olympus and made him cupbearer and wine pourer for all of the gods um, and also sex slave for, uh, for, for Mr. Zeus. But it's okay because Zeus sent Hermes to Ganymedes' dad, Tross, and he gave him a golden vine made by Hephaestus and two horses. So they were square and, ev and everything's kosher now. Um, but Hera, Zeus's wife, was very upset about this and thought that it insulted her and her daughter Hebe, who was the cupbearer until that point. And so Zeus sent him into the stars to become Aquarius. Like, what the fuck, man? You couldn't just leave him alone, but... But there you go. That's the third myth of, of uh, who the Aquarius constellation is. So there's a couple of things with this myth and why most people believe that this is the reasoning behind it being Ganymede as Aquarius. Like I said, it's like the most well-accepted myth. It became very popular in ancient Greece, especially for those who practiced pederasty, um, who many people know about ancient Greece, which was when an adult man would um, quote unquote mentor an adolescent or teenage boy um, with his penis. So prior to this myth being accepted, uh, sodomy in any form was viewed as a way of goddess worship. So there were these priests who would like dress as women and engage in sodomy. And while they were engaging in this act, it was seen as emasculating, which is why it was goddess worship. They were li literally like giving up their manhood, um, which uh, again, here we see the effects of the misogynistic society that they were living in. So by accepting this myth in popular culture, like literally having it written in the stars, if you will, um, it was now okay to participate in homosexual activities. A lot of the most manly heroes ended up like having male lovers. So you have like Achilles, Hercules, Agamemnon, Peleus, Perseus, Theseus, even some of the gods like Apollo had a lot of male lovers, um, Dionysus, Hermes, Poseidon, Hephaestus. So uh, it was still not okay to be a woman, but it was okay to be gay. Um, just not how many, how many common people practiced it, which was with younger boys. Um, but th that's just an issue with history. And I've had quite a few people try to tell me that we cannot judge the past on our current values and beliefs. And while there are some instances in which I agree, uh, fucking a kid was never and will never be okay. I don't care what your religion says. So <laughs> on that bombshell, uh, thank you so much for listening today. If you like what you heard and want to hear more, please consider subscribing or leaving a review or joining my Patreon. I do want to say I'm going to continue the Hamilton series. It was just a lot. 
And uh, and I really needed a break from it because I was getting kind of overwhelmed uh, by just the sheer amount of research that I was doing. So keep an eye out for that eventually. And as much as I would like to say that I will be posting weekly uh, from here on out and all that jazz, my semester is going to be a lot. I'm almost done with grad school. I'm so close to being done with it. So uh, I'm going to hope to do like every other week, but I honestly make no promises because whenever I make plans, um, they go up in flames and my world turns upside down. <laughs> Again, we we laugh through the trauma. So remember, friends, history may be watching you. So don't fuck it up. Bye.